This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Oh, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Nothing going on in the world of golf. Nothing to really chat about at all today. Hmm. I wonder who's playing golf tomorrow. I don't know. Rumors, potentially, of Tiger Woods playing. Did I Did I overhear that? Did I read that somewhere? I can't, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. We got two hours for you lined up here for GTC. It's it's a bit of a hot one this week. Tiger Woods making his return to the world of golf at the Genesis Invitational Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles, California. Another designated event, the second in a row, four or five weeks designated fields. I mean, this is the best field of the year, hands down on the PGA Tour so far, and likely the best field we're going to see until we get to the Players' Championship. Uh, Hard to get really better than this in any capacity, though. This is just incredible. We'll take a deep dive today into the Genesis Invitational, and we'll hear from some players who are playing in the field this week. And and part of the reason why we're going to hear from some players is Adam Scully is in Los Angeles. Now, Adam, I'm in St. Augustine. I'm at PGA Tour Live Studios here. I'm going to be working the main feed as well as the featured hole coverage on PGA Tour Live, which, of course, everybody can watch now on TSN Plus in Canada. So we'll have a ton of Tiger Woods coverage there. But you're in L.A. for an Adidas launch, and you're going to be also heading out to the golf course at some point this week, are you not? I am. I'm actually at some point after our show today going to head out to Riviera, which is about, I've been told, a 15 to 20-minute drive in L.A. Who knows what that actually means timing-wise because the traffic here, as I have learned, can be a little, uh, it's a little busy here. We'll, We'll put it that way. But I'm looking forward to going out and seeing Riviera. You mentioned, of course, Tiger Woods. He is on the grounds right now. He just teed off in the Pro-Am, and there's video of him on the range at Riviera with a toucan or a beanie, as they call it down here. It's cold. It's cold. It's windy, and uh, it's going to be a great great week. But it's been a very fun week so far with Adidas getting to speak to some players and a lot of reps about the new ZG23 footwear line as well as the new apparel line as well. All right, tell us a little bit, before we get into some news and headlines, because we've got lots to get to, we've got uh, uh, a new inductees into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. We've got some news in terms of the official World Golf Rankings in the world of golf. We've got lots to get to, but, but before we do, tell us a little bit about the trip. I saw you playing Trump National the other day. That is a brutally hard golf course. Um, tell us about the tell us about what the launch was like. It looks like everybody's having a blast. I'm upset I couldn't be there. I sent a note to our friends at Adidas. They they understand why. Uh, Bob's not with you either. He just got back from Cabot. So tell us a little bit about uh, about this launch. It's been so much fun. There's there's media and people here from all over, like people from Europe, a lot of people from the states, some other Canadian media outlets here too. And the main launch was on Monday evening where a lot of the the Adidas reps were were there. There was a big presentation. Uh, Kira K. Dixon from Golf Channel NBC Sports was hosting it. And the players up there with her were Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, and Lucas Herbert, the Australian, who has had a nice climb up the world rankings, two top 
15 in the majors last year as well. So a quietly, a guy quietly making his way up the rankings. And I got to speak to some of these players as well, which was great. And we got to talk about the new uh, Adidas line. Colin Morikawa had a, a big say in the new ZG23 footwear line. So that was pretty cool speaking with him, talking to him about that. Some other players, Brandon Wu, a youngster on the PGA Tour, who's had a couple good finishes, including at Pebble Beach. Michael Thor Bjornsson, who's a top amateur, uh, not turning pro just yet. I spoke to him. We'll, we'll play that interview at some point in the next couple of weeks. And then some of our, your usuals, the guys we've had on before, you know, Mason Dennison, talking about the footwear line. You could just see how excited these people are. And it's crazy to think that the ZG23 uh, new shoe has been in the works for 28 months. So they started lo looking at this, talking about it in the fall of 2020, and now it's finally out. So, so much to get to with that. And that's been fun. And now uh, you mentioned Trump National. And this course was, it was mind-blowing, to, to say the least. Some of the views were, it was it's right on the water. It was windy. Uh, it, it was mind-blowing, I, I would say, is the best way to put it. And the greens were incredibly challenging they were fast they were fun <laughs> there was they were undulating and it was a great day with uh, jeff feltrin the uh, adidas golf canada general manager mac boucher who is uh, an influencer on instagram a canadian guy over two hundred and thirty thousand followers on instagram so he he's a guy who hits these wicked crazy trick shots and we're gonna have mac on at some point as well to talk about his career and as well hugh burl who uh, does some work with golf town that he that rounded out our foursome it was a great day yesterday uh, right here in la well, I, I, I have had the pleasure of playing that golf course a few years ago. and just remember it being very difficult, but, but just stunning, beautiful views, etc. And I, I'm just thankful that Jeff figured out a way to have the whole global Adidas uh, team uh, uh, make a shoe named after me. So, you know, uh, I, I, the, how, they, how they convinced the global team to name a shoe Z anything is, is, is very impressive. <laughs> very impressive. So... Um, okay, let's do it. Uh, we're going to hear from Tiger Woods. We're going to hear from Scotty Scheffler. We're going to hear from Sean Foley, uh, as Adam had an opportunity to speak with Sean Foley uh, over the last little weeks. Uh, we're just waiting to hear if we are connected with Bob. I don't. Uh, is Bob with us? Bob, I'm are here. you with us this morning? You can, oh, you're there. You're connected. Okay, we didn't know you were on. My apologies, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting here quietly in the dark. I didn't see you on our call. <laughs> no, I didn't I'm see having you a little on trouble getting Zoom on this morning. Yeah, having a little trouble uh, connecting with Zoom, but I am uh, here uh, on the old-fashioned radio way over the phone. You know how it works. All right. Well, I've got uh, you've got a phone. I've got a uh, a megaphone, and Adam's actually plugged <laughs> in. So between the three three methods, we'll we'll slap a show together for you this afternoon. Okay, let's do it. Let's start us off with some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Gentlemen, two new inductees into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. Jim Rutledge, of course, Jim has just had such a, an incredible career as, as a playing professional. I, I mean, well, I'll get Bob's thoughts on this, but I, I don't know of any major tour that, that Jim hasn't had a start on at some point in his career. And Robert Stanley Weir, now Robert Stanley Weir uh, would be best known for O Canada lyrics, uh, but now, what is Robert Stanley Weir? He was was he a golf writer, Bob? I did not I did not know this about him. He's, and this in this this one caught me off guard. Obviously, Jim Rutledge, much more well known to Canadian golf community. But give us the Coles notes here on Robert Stanley Weir. 
Robert Stanley Weir was really the first golf writer uh, of any uh, of any note, and he uh, his most prolific time was sort of around 1900 to 19, 1920s. He died in 1924, which was a, a boom period in in Canadian golf. If you look back at all the golf courses that were uh, started around between 1900 and 1920, I mean, there's a lot of them out there that are celebrating their 100th anniversaries. And he was a uh, uh, kind of an associate uh, or a, a friend with people like Bernard Darwin and, and the first wave of people who really wrote about golf. And certainly, I don't expect anybody who's listening to this show to have read anything that he has written. But if you want to go back, there's uh, you can go into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame archives and there's lots of stories about him. And he was uh, very well regarded. And this was a, uh, um, a push by the Golf Journalists Association of Canada to try and get the first big golf writer uh, in there and anyone, all three of us and anyone else who's in this business really can give him uh, a tip of the hat for starting us uh, on our journeys that, you know, he, he was sort of the trailblazer for us. We're, uh, we're all riding on his shoulders and what we do now. I'm sure he never thought that there would be um, something like Instagram where we'd all be posting stuff, but, but, uh, and then for Jim Rutledge, you know, Man, that guy had one of the sweetest swings I've ever seen, and uh, he never his biggest biggest uh, I guess trouble was he always always had difficulty at uh, at Q school. I can remember going down to Q school to to watch him, and everybody thought this guy was gonna just blaze through it. And I remember asking him, "How many times is this you've gone to Q school?" And he says, "I don't remember. I have no clue. It's been so many times. It was at least twelve or thirteen times." And finally, in I think two thousand six or seven. He got on through the Corn Ferry Tour. I think it was the Nationwide Tour there. And he became the oldest uh, rookie ever to play on the PGA Tour at age 47. But he has played for Canada in numerous places. He's won, I think he said, on four different continents. And he said, uh, he said on the uh, phone call that we had on Monday, I asked him, you know, do you know how many countries you've played golf in? And he said, no, but my son had a, uh, had a project, a geography project. And so we decided to try and put that together. And he said, I started sticking pins in the map and it just got ridiculous. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, <laughs> so he, was, he would be sort of what we would call a journeyman, but uh, a guy who made a great living, lives now in Victoria, uh, has a house on the Victoria Golf Club, which is one of the most beautiful golf clubs in Canada. And uh, he is a well-deserved uh, uh, entrant inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. They'll be, both of them will be fish, officially honored at the uh, RBC Canadian Open this June. You know, I find so amazing, and, it, and it's you just start to wonder a guy like a Jim Rutledge and, and there are more of them. Jim is probably obviously the, 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 when you think about this type of player, the first name that comes to mind and, and, and rightfully he's going into the Canadian golf hall of fame. But if the corn Ferry tour or the path to the PGA tour truly existed back when Jim was in his prime, how different his career might've looked like as opposed to just leaning yeah. on that one week a year at Q school. And you know, his game is still, amazing he's a 63 years old and the canadian pga championship which is one of the oldest uh, championships we have in this country he led it after two rounds at beacon hall ended up finishing second winning the senior championship beating all the uh, all the top professionals and pseudo playing professionals or semi-playing professionals let's say uh this year so uh, kudos to jim Gents, five Canadians now in the top 100 for the first time ever in Canadian golf history. I think this speaks to the investment in Golf Canada, the people at Golf Canada. They have the, put the programs in place. It speaks to the 2003 Masters, and Mike Weir will be celebrating the 20th anniversary of that, obviously, in about a month or so's time when we get to Augusta for the year's first men's major. 
But to have five Canadians and, and just the performance, and look at the performance on Sunday. I mean, I had a chance to just exchange a couple of texts with Nick, and you know, I was on the call for waste management this weekend. It's this is just a weekly thing now. We've got Canadian flags in, in, in the top ten each week. We've got opportunities to win. There were more Canadians in the field at a designated event this weekend than any other country in the world, with the exception of America. I mean, this is this is outstanding, and you got to think we've got two wins already, gents, on the PGA Tour, and you got to think we could be headed at them for a record year in terms of Canadian victories on the PGA Tour. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you mentioned a two victories already during the fall portion of the schedule, and everyone else is really firing on all cylinders right now. Taylor Pendrith, that great finish at Pebble Beach. We had Canadians tied for the lead after day one at the WM Phoenix Open, too. It's just a matter of time. It's it's going to happen at some point soon. And for Nick Taylor, I mean, good for him, finishing second, that $2.1 million check. I'm looking forward to seeing him for the rest of the season as well. And he played beautifully. And, uh, you know, Ralph Bauer, of course, part of, uh, of Nick's team with his, his putting app and they've worked on some things with Nick's putting and wow, whatever they're working on, we should all be working on it because unbelievably uh, good with the putter. And we'll, we'll talk more Canadiana guys when we get into hour two, because we've got Canadians in the field uh, at the Genesis Invitational and maybe uh, look, take a look at some predictions as well as who we think might win next. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to like Nick Taylor's chances anywhere he goes right now, the way he's putting. Uh, Lampton, uh, part of a final qualifying site. Of course, Cherry Hill, part of the uh, first stage qualifying for the U.S. Open. Bob, are you going out this year? Will you throw your hat into the ring to make your way to Los Angeles Country Club in anything other than a reporter analyst covering the event? Will you be trying to play the U.S. Open this year? Yes, I will be. I'll be trying to qualify. Uh, the the only difficulty between now and when I get to Cherry Hill will be getting my handicap down to what is it plus one or something you need to be or something. <laughs> I'm actually really glad that they're uh, they're using Lambton uh, on old school because they've had uh, nothing against it, but uh, they've had Rattlesnake Point the last couple of years, and this is a this is a, a an event that's scheduled the week of the the Monday of the RBC Canadian Open. So you do get quite a few tour players, and I think it's a little bit uh, of a better. Uh, I don't know if it's a better test or not, but it's certainly a better, it's more fitting to have it at one of our old classic style golf courses like Lampton. And I think I'm, I'm actually looking forward to uh, maybe stopping by there. It's uh, pretty close to where I live. So, and of course we'll be on the air that day, uh, radio to TV, as we will be throughout the entire week at the RBC Canadian open 10 to noon live daily Monday through Friday to stay on top of our national championship. Uh, the biggest week of the year for GTC and the TSN golf family. All right. On the other side, uh, we got to talk about it. It's Tiger. He's here. He's at Riv. Hasn't walked four days in a row on a golf course in over a year, I believe I read. That's how long it's been. Well, really, since he played the Open Championship is the last time he walked four days in a row on a golf course. But he said yesterday, I think I can win. We'll hear from Tiger next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf. Offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score. Good for your health. 
Visit jpsmgolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week. Scully, we're all here, and unless you've been living under a rock, Tiger Woods returning to the PGA Tour at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera Country Club. Surprisingly, a golf course that is really built for Tiger. You know, the greatest iron players in the world tend to win at Riviera Country Club. It is a shot maker's golf course. Hogan's Alley could go on forever in this narrative, yet Tiger has never put his name on the trophy at the Genesis Invitational. Now, is it the hardest walk in golf? No. Is it the easiest walk in golf? No. Bob and I have recounted many times, uh, and, and Bob's in shape. So if Bob's tired when he walks up the 18th hole to the clubhouse, that means something. If I tell you I'm tired when I get to the top, that doesn't mean much. But if Bob's telling you he's tired after 18, after 18 at Riviera, that, 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 that carries a little bit more weight. Let's just put it that way. Um, it is cold. It is crisp. Tiger's on the range as we speak in a toque. Uh, if you're listening online to us, we do have some American friends that listen online, iHeartRadio. That is a, a, a wool knit cap or a beanie, a toque for our American listeners. Um, let's hear from Tiger first, and then I will get some reaction from Bob and Adam on what they expect from Tiger Woods this week. Here is Tiger Woods on his return to the PGA Tour. The plan was to play. Uh, whether or not this body would listen to me or not uh, was the main question. And I, I've been, as I told some of you guys that were down at, at the Hero, uh, and Father Son, I, I mean, I, I can do the Ranger Rick thing. And so I can hit golf balls and do all that stuff. It's matter what I have endurance in my leg. And we've been pushing it pretty good and um, been able to recover each and every day, which is great. So... I'm excited about to be able to compete and play and play here at Riviera where basically it all started. So uh, I'm excited to get out there and play and play tomorrow and uh, get, get a nice little taste and feel for it. Um, a little colder than I thought. <laughs> so I'll get used to that and uh, get ready for Thursday. Where it all started, what Tiger's referring to there is his debut on the PGA Tour as a 16-year-old amateur in 1992. I can see the tee shot off that iconic first hole. That's a 75-foot drop to the fairway. And what is the possibly the easiest hole in championship golf? The opening hole at Riviera often plays like a par four. Bob, uh, the three of us had this tournament circled on our calendar for months now uh, we never really thought that he'd show up at the farmers we thought we had a hope anyway or a, a, a hope that with his association to uh this tournament through his uh foundation that this might be his return um he has not walked 18 holes of golf four days in a row since the open championship his last start on the pga tour just your thoughts when the announcement was made and your expectations for the week for Tiger? I think, like you said, we all thought that this might be a, uh, this is a very good potential for him to play. There's a number of reasons. Obviously, this is a tournament that benefits his foundation. So, I mean, he was going to be here anyway, more or less. He loves the golf course. It's aside from, as you pointed out, the, the, the walk down to the first fairway and the walk up those stairs after 18. It's a pretty easy walk. I won't say it's 
you know, simple, but it's a fairly flat golf course. It runs kind of along the bottom of a canyon, I guess you'd call it. And, uh, and I think, so for all those reasons, I think this was a good, good place for him to start. Interesting, in the, listening to the press conference yesterday, um, you know, he at one point mentioned that this is going to be a good test to see what we need to do for the Masters. No indication yet about the Players' Championship, and I think that now becomes the big question mark. I'm sure Jay Monahan would love to have him there. This is, uh, uh, you know, in the era of, of Live versus PGA Tour. He'd like to have Tiger in, in the marquee event for the PGA Tour playing. So that'll be the next question mark. But as for this week, um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see. I, I think I I'm not worried about his shot making, except for maybe a little bit of rust. Uh, I'm worried about what happens as he walks and as he finishes up the rounds after. I think he's going to play nine hole pro am today, and then hopefully four rounds of golf. But the first two we'll see. And he's got the uh, he's got the late early tee times as well. So there's not a lot of recovery time. He mentioned that a number of times with his ankle. It's going to be about the recovery time, and and that's been the biggest issue for him so far. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on all of this. I think uh, if Tiger plays four rounds of golf this week, I, I deem that success. He mentioned in his press conference that, you know, he, if he didn't think he could win, he wouldn't be there. That's always been what he said. But, I mean, the reality of the situation is in, in a field of this quality, a designated field, if he's able to just make the cut and not feel like he's – you know, feel like that he's capable of just finishing four rounds of golf. I think that's a big success and a big step forward, especially considering the temperatures and the short turnaround that Bob just outlined. Uh, Adam, I'm also with Bob that, you know, if I had to lay action, if you were saying, Mark, make a bet, I would have said, okay, if all things are equal and Tiger doesn't have a setback, I would have circled Genesis, then the Players' Championship for warmer temperatures, flat walk, and the whole live situation and the fact that Tigers put his flag on the ground with the PGA Tour as the second start, and then obviously Augusta. What were your thoughts when you got the announcement, and what's a success this week, Adam, for Tiger Woods? Well, I, I would say a success is making the weekend, which would be, I think, quite an accomplishment. And you mentioned betting. He is plus 194 on FanDuel to make the cut. So just saying you can win a little action if you want him to, if you think he'll make the cut. I mean, playing Genesis, not a surprise given that he's hosting the tournament. You, you wish that, I, I'm more surprised, maybe not surprised is the right word, but given the temperatures, it's not warm here. Like it's, it's not going to get, it's not super warm, it's not super hot. And that's when Tiger does play his best for his back too, because he has to, you know, get that ready every morning as well, which is obviously a critical part. Uh, there's video now of Tiger playing the Pro-Am. He's played the first hole, it looks like. He's got the beanie, the two gone, whatever you want to call it. The swing looks free-flowing. Apparently his gait looks much better in terms of walking. Apparently more last year seeing him in person, almost pigeon-toed is the way some people are describing it. And now it seems like he's walking fairly normal. So I, I think making the cut would be a huge success for Tiger and he'll, he'll take a lot from it. I, I'm more curious to, to look at, you know, if he makes the weekend, does he sort of fade away, you know, on the back nine on Saturday, on the back nine on Sunday in terms of, you know, does he start making a lot, some bogeys because he's just tired because the ankle, the leg is just fatigued. That's what I'm curious to see. Uh, we will have to wait and see. We're going to get it. We're going to continue this, guys, on the other side. We will get to some uh, over par, under par on some other players in the field, but there's too much Tiger to continue. We want to hear about uh, his recovery, his mindset, how he prepared for the week, uh, and pick up the Tiger Woods story at the Genesis Invitational on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. 
This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. All right, we're talking Tiger because he's pegging it up tomorrow at the Genesis Invitational. Uh, let's get right back in here and hear from Tiger Woods. He spoke to the media yesterday extensively in a presser. I mean, we can literally do two hours picking apart this this presser, uh, especially, you know, he got into the Masters, Champions Dinner, and all things like that. There was so much to, to break down here. But let's focus on his start this week. He spoke to the media and had the comments on his recovery and mindset heading into the Genesis. The recovery is more on my, my ankle. Uh, whether or not I can recover from day to day. Uh, the leg is better than it was last year. Uh, but it's it's my ankle. And so being able to uh, have it recover from day to day and, and meanwhile still stress it but have the recovery and also have the strength development at the same time. Uh, it's been a, a intricate little balance that we've had to dance, um, but it's gotten so much better uh, the last couple months, and uh, I'm excited to go out there and compete and play with these guys. And I would not have put myself out here if I didn't think I could beat these guys and, and win the event. Um, that's my mentality, and if I wasn't ready to win at this level, I know I am very rusty. Um, but I've come off rusty situations before, and I've done well, and uh, I've had to utilize a lot of those tactics in practice and, and build up, and plus also I know this, this golf course. Uh, I know I haven't had a lot of success on this golf course, but I, I knew what to practice for, uh, shots to hit, um, I was at home getting ready. You're there, he knows what to do, even though there's been a lack of success, he understands the property inside and out. Uh, it would lean Tiger. This is not a you know a bomb and gouge. This is an, a golf course that you need to learn it. You need to know it. It is an interesting golf course. It asks the players to play it from back to front. You heard him there. This is about his health. He's done it you know rusty before, uh, but he wouldn't be there if he didn't think he was capable of winning. In other words, in his mind, he has the shots. That's what we're going to be interesting to see if the body holds up. Uh, before we dive back into Tiger, he, let's hear about his uh, preparation for the week here for the Genesis. I hit balls um, basically almost every day. Um, I chip and putt, and I've got a, a neat little practice facility in my, my backyard, so I can do a little bit of short game work there and a little bit of progression. And I've gone up to medalists and hit balls, and I've, I've walked the golf course and I've played. And then I'll play, I'll hop in a cart um, when it gets a little tired. And then it's just gone from a few holes to nine holes to um, the back nine and then to 18 holes and go back home, practice. Uh, so it, it's just a, a buildup. And it has built, it's built up fantastic to get to this point. And then after this event, we'll analyze it and see what we need to do to get ready for Augusta. All right, still no talk of the players. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's go around the horn. Before we get to uh, over par, under par, before we hear from Scotty Scheffler, yes, no, Tiger makes the cut. Bob? 
I think yes. I think the first two rounds he'll be so pumped, and he know, as you said, he knows this golf course so well. He's you know he's been runner up here before. He hasn't had great finishes other times, but um, I think he will play well enough, and then I think probably fade in the weekend. Adam, yes, no. Tiger makes the cut. I'm expecting we see somewhere where he's posting a number and waiting around all of Friday afternoon and making the cut perhaps on the number and then playing well early in the third round before, like Bob said, sort of fading around. I'm thinking a T40-ish It's kind of finish for Tiger. What do you think, Mark? I say Tiger makes the cut simply because uh, every time we've counted this man out, he finds a way to make it to the weekend. Uh, outside of that, I've got no predictions for you. I've got no clue what this guy's going to do Thursday to Sunday. I just figure out a way, you know, he'll chew his arm off to make it to Saturday. That's all I know. So we'll go we'll leave it at that. All right. Over par, under par. This is the best field of the year. This is the top 30 are all here. Everyone who has won on the PGA Tour so far this year, every winner is here. Uh, there are 13 winners this year on the PGA Tour, and they're all in the field. Um, John Rahm leads away at plus 700. Rory McIlroy at plus 900. Uh, we will do our, our edge picks later on in the show. So not asking you guys if these uh, players are on your team or anything of that nature. Just want over par, under par. Uh, I'll, I'll start John Rahm here at plus 700. Again, it, it, you know, I think it's hard to not like John Rahm in every golf tournament right now. But I think we're starting to hit maybe a fatigue level. He's come off some super, super hot play. I'm not big on Rom this week. So just not general, generally speaking, John Rom is under par every week. But for this specific week, based off his weekend and his frustration at the waste management and his frustration at the farmers, I think John Rom needs a week off. I think he needs to, to recharge the batteries get some practice in and less play. I'm going over par for just this week with John Rom. Adam over par under par. Yeah, it's hard not to disagree with any of those right there. I I really don't like that number at plus 700 for John Rom, especially, you know, like you mentioned the fatigue. He mentioned he wasn't feeling all that great get, getting over a cold that went through his whole family too. He has two top tens here in five starts at Riviera, so he likes this golf course. This could be a case, Mark, where let's say he goes out and he's a couple over par in round one. Those odds stretch to, call it 14, 15 to one. That might be worth more of a sprinkle in terms of John Rahm, but like you said, I'm also on the over par side of things for Rahm heading into this week. He needs a ton of work right now on his wedges as well. You know, hitting 350-yard drives and leaving yourself 100 yards in the sand wedges and hitting it to 50 feet is is a bit of an issue right now for Rom. He did it for the majority of the waste management, something we saw from Rory McIlroy uh, pre-Masters last year. By the time we got to the Canadian Open in the second half of 22, Rory's wedge play was fantastic, and it led to many victories. Bob, John Rahm at plus 700, he's the favorite. Are you buying the fatigue storyline I'm giving, or is he under par still for you? Yeah, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Mark. And, and um, you know, he's, he's so good that you don't want to overlook him. But in addition to the wedges, uh, his driving last week, especially on Sunday, was like all over the map. And you can get away with that a little bit more in the desert than you can at a course such as Riviera. Now, there are some pretty open holes at Riv as well, but there's also some nasty stuff uh, that I don't think you can be very, is going to be quite as forgiving. So I'm, I'm, I'm over par with him this week as well. All right. We're going to look at Scotty Scheffler now. Before we get over par, under par with Scotty Scheffler, he's plus uh, a thousand. So 10 to one coming off a victory. Let's hear from the 
new world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, golf course is in good shape again, just like always. Um, I would say there's probably a bit more rough this year than there has been in years past. Like the, I guess all the rain that they had uh, a month or two ago probably had a pretty big effect on that. But excited for the week. Golf course is a big challenge. It's one of our favorite stops of the year, um, and you got to be playing really good to, to play golf, uh, score well around this golf course. So, looking forward to the challenge. Bob, another player that had huge driving problems but got away with it in the desert, Scotty Scheffler, back to world number one, uh, the third fastest player in history to five wins from his first victory to his fifth victory. Only Tiger Woods and Dave Duvall got there quicker, but maybe the most underrated short game. We don't talk enough about his short game. I mean, it's ridiculous. It was on display last April at Augusta. I remember the third hole on Sunday when he chunked the first one and then chipped in the second one. It was kind of, that was the writing on the wall. And we saw incredible displays of his short game and just control. He doesn't seem to get too upset, too happy, too angry about anything. Can Scotty Scheffler, Bob, go back to back? Do you have him under par or over par? First of all, I just want to, I just want to counter your uh, short game with a reminder that the 72nd hole he four putted. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I got to go under par with him. I mean, uh, he's another guy, as you said, with the driver. Five fairways Saturday, five fairways Sunday. That's not a lot. But then you look at the putts on 16. Uh, he just held off Nick Taylor and John Rom to a certain extent with some of the some of that short game stuff. So I think he's still got more in him. He's he's a uh, he's a very low key guy. So I don't think he gets too amped up. Perhaps after a win. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going under par with him this week. Yeah, I'm going under par with him, too. And I think one of the shots that was completely underrated and the TV broadcast, I think, I don't know if they, they highlighted it at all. I mean, we did a little bit on our radio broadcast, but I wasn't hosting. I was I was calling golf, so I didn't really have a chance to comment on it. But I think one of the things that, that, that was missed was his third that you're going to laugh at this because it was it's not a shot that is going to stand out in people's mind but his third shot at the par 5 15th was to me a display of how clear he was thinking and how calm he was if he tried to open up the face there go straight up in the air off that tight lie he only had about eight feet of green between him and the bunker on his third shot on the par 5 and instead he hit it 15 feet over top the flag let it kind of funnel back a bit and said, ah, we'll see what my putter can do. He ended up missing it for birdie and tapping in for par. And then after that, took control of the golf tournament with the par save at 16, yada, yada, yada. But we saw so many players that day on 15 try to get cute out of the bunker, try to get cute around the green, ended up turning a four into a six. He gave himself an opportunity to make four and at worst case five. And I mean, he he's just took the big number out of play. A lot of commentators were saying, oh, uh, you know, he missed this one or he hit it heavy or he caught it a group. No, he intentionally did that to take the big number out of play. I thought it was a, a real sign of maturity and how calm this guy is. Adam, uh, can Scotty Scheffler go back to back? Is he under par for you? Is he in the conversation again this week? I, I mean, he has to be under par given his recent run too in his last six worldwide starts his worst finish is a t11 so this guy is playing a lot of very consistent golf finishing the top 10 at the genesis here last year too and you mentioned fatigue i mean he he was here in la at the genesis on monday morning 
playing at another event. He was here right away. So I, I don't think fatigue is going to be an issue for Scotty Scheffler. I'd expect him to be in one of the final few groups come Sunday afternoon. All right. On the other side, we're going to hear from Colin Morikawa. Now, Adam had a chance to speak to him earlier this week at, a, at the Adidas event that he's at in L.A. And you would think, if you were truly thinking about golf courses that make sense for Colin Morikawa, this would be it. Now, I had him last week in my TSN Edge picks. And it did not go so well. And that's a golf course, too, surprisingly, that not a bad Colin Morikawa golf course. So I, I don't know. He was trending in the right direction. And after last week... Is he now trending in the opposite direction? Does anyone have them on his T on their TSN edge picks this week? We'll do that in hour two, but on the other side, we will hear from the two-time major champion, Colin Morikawa. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Still tons to get to today. We've got five Canadians in the top 100 in the official World Golf Ranking. Four of them are in the field at the Genesis Invitational. We'll break down their odds and uh, some of their chances as they head into the set. second in a row designated field event on the PGA Tour, of which four of the next uh, five weeks are actually designated field events. It's, uh, it's an incredible stretch of golf leading into the Players' Championship and then, of course, heading to Augusta. These designated field events now are just absolutely incredible what they've done to putting the best players in the world together uh, more often on some great venues, including uh, Riviera. We'll get the TSN Edge pick. Sean Foley comments on Tiger Woods. He had a chance to speak with Adam. We'll get you caught up on where other tours may be playing golf this week. Lots and lots and lots to get to. But first, our own Adam Scully is in Los Angeles. He is at the Adidas Global Launch uh, just outside L.A. He'll be heading to Riviera later today, too, to check out Riviera Country Club. He had an opportunity to speak with the two-time major champion, Colin Morikawa. Alongside Colin Morikawa and Colin, nights like this, how exciting is this for you to see all this new product out and so many people wearing it? It's fun to see because, you know, we've actually seen little pieces put together here and there as time goes on, but to actually come full circle and, uh, and have this kind of launch party, for say, uh, with the ZG23, with Ultimate Tour, or 365 Tour, um, it's exciting because I, I know it's going to work for us, it's going to work for the consumer, it's going to be great, it really is. And I understand with the ZG23s, you had some input with the shoe. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's hard to update something you really like, right? And for me, you know, winning a few tournaments with the ZG21s, um, it's hard to actually want change. But when they are able to tell you, you know, hey, we can we can update this on the side, we can update the fins, we can update the Light Strike and the Light Strike Pro, um, small things, but they're going to be big differences in the long run. I think. And the end game is just to make sure that you can wear this shoe day in and day out, constantly wear them, play every single day, and just feel great. Make your feet feel great, make your body feel great, and just ultimately have that trust factor, not only in your golf game, but in the shoes you wear as well. So we're currently early on in the PGA Tour season. How would you assess your season thus far? Uh, I'd say uh, definitely better than, my, than last season. 
Um, you know, we've already been in contention a couple times early on in this 2023 year, and uh, that's the biggest thing is, is just giving myself more chances, being able to hopefully take a couple of those opportunities and, and close out a tournament. But, you know, the big goal for me is to, to go and win again. It's, it's been a while, and uh, we missed that feeling. We're itching, and uh, we're doing everything we can to get back up there. Now, I know that Century didn't go the way you had planned. What can you take from that experience next time you're in the mix going forward and some of the lessons you learned from that? You know, it was just uh, it was a lot of bad timing. John obviously played really well, and uh, I just made some bogeys on some birdieable holes and the real bad timing of that. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't really do much. You know, you, you can only control what's in your control, and um, it's not like I would have played any differently. It's not like I would have played safe. Um, it's just really being able to play four rounds of really good golf and just wasn't able to do that uh, really for, you know, three to four holes, which uh, it's tough to swallow. But, you know, what? I'm going to look back at this and hopefully just kind of build better and uh, just hopefully win a lot, a lot more. And now winning a lot more leads to you being on team, uh, you know, for the, uh, the Ryder Cup, President's Cup. How much is that on your radar already this season? Uh, it's a huge goal. It's a huge goal of mine to make that Ryder Cup team, especially as it is in, in Rome on, on kind of that European soil. Um, I know they're out to, to make sure they have the best team and the best kind of repertoire and, and best really tools to, to beat us. But uh, I got to make that team first. So, you know, we got to start playing a little more consistent golf, a little bit longer uh, stretches of really good golf, and uh, hopefully we'll make that team come September. Well, thanks for that, Colin. Thanks for your time today. All the best you're going for. I appreciate it. Thank you. That doesn't believe that Colin Morikawa is going to be on Team USA when we get to Rome. Uh, we will pick up that conversation in a few months' time, I would assume. Uh, Adam, did you have a chance to play golf in the shoe yesterday? You know what? I did, and uh, that was, that's been the most exciting thing for me so far is – not only did I play golf in the shoe, I had the shoe on for probably eight hours because of the traffic in LA, of course, because it's not great here all the time. So it took an hour to get there, hour to get back. We're there an hour before the round. You know, we're there a little after the round as well. So call it eight hours in the shoe. No blisters, no nothing. My feet are incredibly comfortable right now. I'm actually holding the shoe right here, which will, once we're back on TV, I'll I'll have it in studio with us as well. It's a very comfortable shoe. The ZG23 performs very well. We'll also we'll have Mason Dennison on on an upcoming show too to really unpack some of the technology behind this shoe. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, 28 months in the making, and now it is out for the public. Bob, in terms of Morikawa's take on what happened at the Century, in my mind, you know, first of all, he's saying all the right things, and and I guess that's important. That's good. I find it very interesting, however, in the sense that. This is a guy who the first time he had to close out two major championships, he closed the door. I mean, like there was no scar tissue with, with Colin Morikawa in my mind. Like his introduction to the PGA Tour was, I have a chance to win, I win. I have a chance to win a major, I win a major. I have a chance to win my second major, I win my second major. And then all of a sudden, we get an event like we have here at the Century, and for me, I need to see his reaction the next time he has a lead on Sunday. That To me, I'm, I'm waiting for that before I'm willing to say that his, his mind is in the right spot and how he's going to digest this because you just don't know until you're back in that spot again. Fair, Bob? 
I think it's fair. It, it kind of reminds me of a little kid. And if you take a little kid skiing for the first time and you put him on the skis and you put him down the hill and the kid doesn't know any better, he goes, wow, this is great, until he falls. <laughs> the first time he wipes out, well, the next time he gets up on the top of that hill, he's going to be thinking more about maybe the wipeout or as much about the wipeout as how much fun he had getting down the hill. And I think once you have a shocking fall like he did, and let's face it, last year was not a great year for him. Um, but when you have a shocking fall like that, I think you're trying to regroup. Now, Colin Morikawa, to me, is a very smart individual, a very poised young guy. And I, think, I, I don't think this will be long-lasting in any means. But, but I'm sure it'll be sitting in the back of his head at some point when the next time he does have a chance to win. And it could be this week. I mean, this is, as, as we've said, this is a, a course that's suited for Colin Morikawa's game. Now, we should remind everyone that the same conversation was on Scotty Scheffler up until Sunday. Scotty Scheffler blew it at Colonial after being bulletproof for, for his first four wins of his career and then blew it again at the FedEx Cup. All right, he, he at, at, at the Tour Championship. Um, there were question marks on Scotty Scheffler's mindset the next time he had an opportunity to win a golf tournament. I think those questions are now answered with the performance on Sunday at the WM. Scotty's back in the winner's circle. Can Morikawa do the same and shut down that narrative immediately following uh, the next opportunity he has to win on Sunday. One thing before we go to break, guys, because on the other side, we got to do some Canadiana. We're going to talk Mackenzie Hughes. We're going to talk Nick Taylor. We're going to talk Corey Connors. And we're going to talk Adam Hadwin. Those are our four Canadians in the field at the designated event in L.A. at Riviera Country Club. Before we get to that, I was what you know. We I know we've all kind of dipped into the Netflix uh, full swing documentary, and this just popped in my head because it was something Rory McIlroy said in episode two, I believe, of the documentary. He said, when when asked about his current major drought, and he hasn't won a major since 2014. He said, it's like I'm trying to win a major again for the first time. That quote landed and stuck in my head. Bob, you're nodding. Did that quote stick with you? And we've seen Rory try to backdoor major championships, but we have not seen Rory protecting a lead at a major in a month of Tuesdays. So when he has another lead in a major, which in your opinion could likely be this year and come soon, it could could come in a few weeks' time when we get to Augusta. Are you going to be watching for how he emotionally handles a lead in a major because it's been so long? Yeah, I mean, I think you can go back to the Open Championship and say that he had, if you're not the lead, then he had certainly a great chance to win in that. In that, I mean, that was his to win in, in my mind when he started the day. Um, yeah, I think I think it's always in the back of your mind, and I think Rory's admitted that that. You know, I don't think it's going to be as much of a bother as it may have been at other times, like when he came to Augusta and shot 80 or whatever it was that last day. So, but I do think I do think once you've once you've been burned, you always have a little bit of something, a little scar tissue there that you have to try and deal with. And he's coming off a rough week at the WM. We'll see if anyone's on the Rory train when we get to our TSN Edge picks in hour two. On the other side, we're going to take a look at. The Canadians in the field at the Genesis Invitational, we've got four of them. We've got some good value on them, and they are playing well. In fact, we've got a large bucket of Canadians playing well right now. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. 
Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, Hour 2, Zacchino, Scully, Weeks. Five Canadians in the top 100 for the first time ever in the official World Golf Ranking. And, Bob, you're telling me they're all five of them are in the field of the Genesis Invitational. I can't find Taylor Penrith on FanDuel. No, he's not in. He's the only guy. He's the only one who's not in. He's not in the top 100 yet. He's 112. Okay. So that's why we're getting Taylor and Taylor and Taylor Penrith. <laughs> Nick Taylor, Taylor Penrith. Sorry. I, we're getting them all mixed up in our messaging here. He is the only one not in. So what we've got right now is uh, Nick Taylor, Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Svensson, and Adam Hadwin. There we so, go. And I don't, but yes. I don't see. I see in the field on FanDuel, we've got Mackenzie Hughes, Nick Taylor, Corey Connors, and uh, Mackenzie Hughes, Nick Taylor, Corey Connors, and Adam Hadwin. Or see, four this is the, this is the. This is a pure sign of success, is that we have so many Canadians it's in true. there, we can't find yeah. them all. That's it's true. I can't find them all. Uh, now, I think they may have made a mistake and put on FanDuel and put an Italian flag beside one of our Canadians for some reason, <laughs> which leads me uh, back to what I always say. There's two types of people in this world, those who are Italian and those who want to be. And there it is. Adam Svensson is the issue. FanDuel that's why I couldn't find him. Adam Svensson is the fifth Canadian in the field. No Canadian flag beside Adam Svensson. Uh, the Italian flag beside Adam Svensson on FanDuel. So let's start with Adam Svensson because he is the highest odds, a winner on the tour so far this season. That came in the first part of the wraparound schedule. By the way, last time we'll ever do the wraparound schedule. I kind of like that. We're going to be starting now in Hawaii in 2024. I, I prefer that. He is 34 to 1 as the highest ranked Canadian in terms of odds in the field. Uh, been quiet as a late. Adam, we'll start with you. Are you over par or under par with Adam Spenson at 34 to 1? So, sorry, he's actually 340 to 1. Hold on a second. So, so yeah, there's an extra zero there. Oh, my. Um, this is the problem with working on your app doing mobile. I can't read the zeros. That, that's okay. So, so uh, Adam Spencer. Well, geez, is, at three hundred forty to one, should we not all be in on that? Well, so th that's where he's the way he has played. He's kind of a a one and done. I'm not sure if you want to put it that way. In a way where he's either in the mix or he doesn't make the cut. So, in his last 
starts since since his win at the RSM Classic. 37th at Century with no cut. That's near the bottom of the field. T41 at the Sony Open, a place he's played well in before. Missed the cut at Farmers and missed the cut last week at the WM Phoenix Open. So those are obviously incredibly long odds. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at, he's also 10 to 1 as a top 20. So he's a guy, we know how much talent this guy has. So It's a a hard golf course to learn though overnight, right? It's a hard golf course to learn overnight. It is, but you know, he'd have time. You wonder if he came over to LA after, after missing the cut. At the WM Phoenix Open, I still think I'm over par on Adam Svensson, but for these long odds, I guess you never really know. Bob, where are you at this? Uh, I, I need to see something from him. The putting has been been shaky the last couple of weeks, last couple of starts, I should say, when he missed the cut. So I think I think that um, you know, and rightly so, maybe he took a little break after the win. <laughs> Could be to celebrate a little bit. Now I'm sure he's got to get back to the grind and uh, and show that he can. What he, you know, what got him that much success is, is really what he, what he needs to keep working on. He's currently tied for 121st in strokes game putting, uh, minus 1.8. So, that's that's kind of was his weak point before. It became a strong point uh, earlier in the season and a little bit late last season. So I think if he can turn that around, we'll see what happens. He does have a good game for LA, but as you point out, this is this is not a, a tournament you uh, you mark in your first your first go around. Okay, Bob, let's stay with you. And now that I've magnified my phone to the point where I used to make fun of my parents for doing this, you know, when, you're, when my parents first got a smartphone, I'd be like, yeah, and they're clicking the screen. And I mean, it w- I mean, they've got one sentence on the screen, Max, four words. It's, it's, now that's where I've landed here, so I can actually read these odds. Mackenzie Hughes at 300 to 1. And Mackenzie's been quiet lately as well. It's funny that we talk like this, quiet lately, yada, yada, because he's a winner. He's won already this season. It's just that Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin and Corey Connors, to some degree, have been on a lot of leaderboards lately. Where are we with Mac? Uh, I'm not worried about Mac. I think he's he's at a game. He's at a, at a stretch of the of the calendar where I don't think he's real real happy to be playing some of these courses. But he does obviously because there's big checks to give out. But this isn't this isn't the strength of his schedule. He gets better when he gets into Florida. Uh, you know his record his record at this tournament is three missed cuts and a tie for 32nd. So you can see that that it's probably not the the, the course for this horse. And I and so I think. I'm not, I don't think he'll play all that great this week, but I'm not worried about it. I think once we get over to Florida, gets to Honda, for instance, for his, the farewell performance, I think that'll be great. Yeah, I'm with you a thousand percent on this, Adam. It's, uh, Bob, it's just a matter of, you know, sometimes you pick your spots in the schedule. Uh, Max always done great in the Florida swing, and he's always done well in the fall. He's already won in the fall where we anticipate him to do well. And now, Adam, probably just fine-tuning for the Florida swing. Well, and you wonder, too, where he is with his speed training, too, because, you know, he won very early on, obviously, in the fall portion of the schedule, very new into this speed training regimen. So I I don't see him. I'm over par on him this week, put it that way. But once he gets to places where he's more comfortable, like you mentioned, in Florida, where, you know, he he can play a lot of different shots and that putter really comes to shine. I, I think that's where we'll be seeing Mac more in the mix. All right. Let's get to our three top Canadians, because. I find this extremely interesting. Corey Connors is 80 to 1, Nick Taylor's 95 to 1, Adam Hadwin's 100 to 1. I almost feel like it should be flipped. 
I'm 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 very high right now on Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin at the moment, and not just based on what we've seen uh, last week at the WM. I mean, Nick Taylor posted a super low number. Uh, I think it was at Pebble Beach a couple of weeks ago. Hadwin has been lurking on leaderboards for quite some time. Corey Connors has played well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just think in terms of, you know, being in contention more on Sunday, give me your, okay, these are our three top Canadians at the moment heading into this golf tournament. I think we can all agree with that. Bob, stack them for me in Bob Weeksland. One, two, three, the (laughs) chances to win this week. Chances to win this week, I'm going to go and put uh, Adam at the top. I think Adam's uh, – Adam, I know Adam. I know both Adam and um, Adam and Nick love this golf course. They've both had consistent performances here, if not necessarily great performances here. They've made the cuts more often than not. Uh, I just think – I keep waiting for Adam Hadwin to have this breakout. I thought it was going to happen last week, and, you know, top ten finish is nothing to – turn your nose up at, especially when, the, when they're giving out the big checks like they are with these designated tournaments. Um, and I think Nick told me that he also loves this golf course, so that's another option. And Corey, uh, Corey's just been off. You know, he hasn't been the Corey Connors that we've sort of seen so far this season. He's had some decent finishes, but I'm, I'm expecting him to play a little better. But that's, that's right now where I would put them as one, two, three. would be Adam, uh, Nick, who's probably maybe a little distracted with all the stuff he's had to do. I saw he was on... Barstool Sports for uh, for their podcast, uh, and and I think Corey is uh, a, a work work in progress at this point. I'm exactly the same as you, Bob, for all the exactly the same reasons. I mean, there might be a little fatigue thing with Nick coming off that big push on Sunday, chance to win, then doing a few media related items that maybe he wouldn't do. But I've got him exactly the same order. For exactly the same reasons as we head to LA, Adam, are you on Team Weeksino, or are you going rogue? I mean, I, I never want to be on Team Weeksino. Let's let's put that out. <laughs> no, I, I just feel dirty. I, I can't do that. But I mean, for me, Adam Hadwin is, is the top guy for me. You know, he's also made seven of eight cuts here at Riviera with one top ten. So not necessarily getting really into the mix, but. I think Adam Hadwin has the best chance of the Canadians this week to make some noise. Interesting on FanDuel here. He's 100-1 to to an outright. For a top 20, he's plus 175. In comparison, Nick Taylor's plus 360 for a top 20. Corey Connors plus 330. So Hadwin, shorter odds for a top 20. They believe he'll get in the mix again. For Corey Connors, I think there's motivation here. I mean, he's seeing all these other players who are Canadian, do a lot of great things, and go on and play well. So just from that standpoint, I I think Connors is eventually due to break out. He clearly hasn't had his best stuff dating back to the President's Cup, and that clearly wasn't his best week for sure. Uh, His best finish thus far this season in 2023 portion of the PGA Tour schedule is a T12 at Sony. So I'll go Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, and I think Nick Taylor third on that list, mainly for the fatigue factor after a crazy last week you knew he just had to be different hey eh, bob you just couldn't take it you just you <laughs> yeah had to, he had to go rogue on us you know what i think is interesting that we're all going to likely lead listen the rory mcelroy's and the john roms and the scotty shefflers they're the best players in the world for a reason they're always going to be in and around the top of leaderboards but after we get out of the, get out of those top five top ten players in the world 
Once we get removed from that, and it might even be as, as narrow as top five, we'll see. When, when we make the switch from the West Coast to the East Coast, I think the leaderboards are going to start to look a little different. And I think we're going to see some names when we get to Florida reappear again uh, on some leaderboards. Maybe some guys we've been waiting for, like Corey Connors, like Mackenzie Hughes. Um, I think we're going to see some guys that, you know, we were, you know, anticipating some pretty good starts that just haven't happened yet. And they're just, you know... Well, for that matter, I've been telling you guys for weeks with Taylor Pender, just give me, just wait till we get, can we just wait till we get to the Florida swing, right? So we will see. We will see if that comes to fruition. Uh, there are some real interesting golf course, a brutally hard Honda Classic with a weak field. Going to be the weakest field we've seen in weeks next week at the Honda Classic. And then we're going to get into two amazingly hard uh, weeks when it comes to field quality. The best field of the year is always the Players' Championship, hands down. Nothing, nothing tends to touch the players. There are no you know, categories that you get at other majors that are more ceremonial positions in terms of invites, etc. This, this is the best field of the year. We'll get that at the players. Arnold Palmer, going to be interesting to see who pops up on a leaderboard that we've been waiting for. On the other side, Adam had a chance to catch up with Sean Foley. Now, we're going to run that interview for you in a couple of weeks, the full-length interview. Uh, sometime in March, I believe March 6th is the date that we're, we've kind of circled to run the full interview. But, uh, but uh, Sean had some comments on Tiger. Uh, we're going to run them for you next. Now the Tiger's back in the field at the Genesis Invitational. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Golf Talk Canada. Adam had an opportunity to speak with uh, Sean Foley. Uh, last week, I believe it was, before he left for L.A. Sean's got a new training aid that he unveiled around the PGA show, and uh, we're going to run an interview that Adam did on March 6th a little bit more in-depth with Sean and this new product and how it might be able to help you. But as part of that interview, Adam had the opportunity to get some thoughts and some ideas on Tiger Woods, and now that Tiger is back, in L.A. this week, the GOAT pegging it up at the Genesis Invitational. Let's hear Sean Foley's comments on Tiger Woods. You coach Tiger Woods. You got Tiger Woods back to world number one. And, I mean, his future obviously is uncertain. But given what he went through last year to make the cut in two majors and to do it what all he did, what are your expectations now for Tiger going forward? How inspirational was it last year? And what do you think about him now going forward? Well, I mean, once again, Tiger's able to play because it, it, it wasn't it wasn't his hand that was almost severed off. It was his right leg, right? Yeah. 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 So if it's his hand, we're not Tiger's not playing golf. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, Tiger's been through a lot, obviously, on and off the course over the last years. Um many surgeries, things like that. Obviously the car accident where I think more than anything he 
is just really grateful to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he'll continue to probably play the majors. And I think when he feels like he can't compete, then he'll be done. Um, and who knows, as he goes on, you know, he's already become a bit more of a voice than he's ever been as it relates to the PGA tour. Um, and what they need to do. And, and, you know, he's been more opinionated on things like live in the world of golf than he used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Tiger's a very sharp guy. So I think we're going to see him move into kind of more of a legacy role. Um, obviously, they've started. He's always going to be making money. So, you know, they started that that indoor league. Yeah, TGL. Um, mm-hmm. TGL. And then they've got the, obviously, his pop stroke putting stuff. So, you know, t- Tigers, you're not a billionaire because you're not a good businessman. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we'll still see him continue to, will he maybe take a couple of young players and mentor them? That's, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, he does love to share and talk to people about it. Um, but yeah, I think just for the world of golf, it's just great to see him out there. I mean, that was, I was standing right there on 18 as he came down at St. Andrews and that, I mean, that was, uh, that was everyone's hair was just standing up on their arms. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's the greatest to ever play. And uh, I think golf is at where it's at around the world, really on his back because he made it cool. Yeah. Um, and he made it athletic um, mm-hmm. and competitive, obviously. So, yeah, I, I, I look forward to seeing him at the majors. I, I mean, look, if he was to win one, would, would, would you be surprised? I wouldn't, I mean, you can't be surprised at this guy, right? You know, I was just, uh, I was just going to ask you that, you know, like you, you spent hours upon hours with him behind closed doors that many people obviously have not given the talent he has. Do you think if he is able to walk, we know he has all the shots with this swing. If he is able to get out there and play, do you, do you think we see him? Yeah, the Tigers, again? Tigers, Tiger, because of his work ethic, not because of his talent. Talent is a terrible word. I, I just, Kobe Bryant was not more talented than other guys in the NBA. I mean, the NBA is the most athletic freaks on the whole planet. It's not a fun. He just, he just went to the gym four times a day. And, and I think since Kobe's passed, you know, um, there's been a lot of things where it's him speaking about what his process was mm-hmm. and he just outworked everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Look, does, does a player have the players got speed then they have a physical gift, but I just think talent is the wrong word. I, I think, you know, his work ethic, his curiosity, his ability to endure frustration what's, is what makes him special. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I just think, like, as he said, it's not so much of how it affects him hitting the ball. It's just walking. Yeah. And, you know, being the alpha that he is, there's no way he's going to drive around a golf course in a golf cart. No, no chance. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I agree. Now, it could be potential where, you know, we all want him so bad that maybe some co- someone comes up with a quiet, lucrative deal for him to just, who knows. But I just, knowing him, if he can't do it the way that he needs to do it, he's just not going to do it at all. Well, there's some very interesting comments there from Sean Foley. The two that jump out for me is, one, if you want a major this year, he wouldn't be surprised. And he asked Adam point blank, would you be surprised? And the other comment that leaps out at me there, and Tiger 
commented on this earlier this week that he will not play the Masters in a ceremonial capacity. That is not going to happen. And he's not going to play golf uh, at any level on the PGA Tour in a ceremonial capacity. So that being said, Bob, is this going to be one of the hardest transitions of any athlete we've seen in any sport into a legacy capacity, which is what Sean outlined there, saying that he believes that Tiger is transitioning into a legacy capacity. I don't believe Tiger is doing that, by the way, unless you think, you know, unless you're suggesting that a part-time schedule, TGL, playing majors, yada, 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 over the next four years is transition. I think we're at least three, four years away unless we get another physical setback that we're unfamiliar with uh, for him truly becoming a legacy golfer. Otherwise he wouldn't be here trying to win this golf tournament. But is this going to be one of the hardest transitions of any athlete you've ever seen? Unlike a lot of the legends before him that naturally transitioned to this played champions tour, did all the things that we expected them to do at age 50, including Phil Mickelson before he blew up his entire uh, uh, career. I can't see Tiger transitioning into that role, Bob. Uh, I think it's it sneaks up on him. You know, I don't think you sit there and say you, you don't flip a switch and say, "Oh, okay, my playing career is over now. I'm a legacy guy." I think it starts to sneak up on you. And you know, if you look at Jack Nicklaus's career, even after he won the Masters at age 46, there were a couple of times when he was up near the top of the leaderboard after a particular round, be it the first, second, or something. Now he was never going to win the tournament. You don't. You didn't really get that impression, but he could still play. So that's, I think, what the battle is going to be for Tiger is can he still compete knowing that the chances of winning are just minuscule. But I'm with you. I don't see him. I mean, I do think he'll one day be a ceremonial driver of the tee ball on the on the first hole at the Augusta National. But I don't see him. I won't say he'll never play the Champions Tour because he'll go out there with his buddies and he can still be competitive, see Freddie and guys like that. But I think, I think this is something that's going to take some time to play out. And I don't even think Tiger can sit there and, and actually, someone's going to have to poke him and say, oh, by the way, you haven't uh, made a cut in five tournaments or three years or whatever that may be. So that, that's, I think, how it, how it will play out. Yeah, I think you just hit on something there too, Bob, is that does he have the ability to even recognize it? Because he's just been in that spot for so long. Adam, what did you take? from your conversation uh, with Sean? Well, the biggest comments were, I mean, Sean's comment about how it wasn't Tiger's hand that was injured, it was his leg. So if, if his hand was the one that was the major injury, obviously he wouldn't be playing golf anymore. And we saw, or Sean spoke all about his work ethic and how Tiger works harder than anyone. And, and Tiger has always, throughout his career, <clears throat> been stubborn in that sense where when he was a little younger, he would push things a little too fast, try to come back and sometimes come back too early, creating more setbacks, which has perhaps created more uh, setbacks throughout now his career now that he's been around here for so long. So that was probably the biggest one for me. I, I don't see him calling it quits, quote, quote unquote, and going into the ceremonial fashion for a, a number of years, really, because as he said yesterday, he truly believes he can win. And now he wouldn't go up uh, you know and stand there at the press conference or sit there yesterday at the press conference and say I I'm just here to you know play two rounds and and take my private jet and go home I he would obviously say he's here to win so you can look at it in both ways but if he actually thinks he can win which I think he does I don't see him calling it quits anytime soon 
Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I know that uh, the ratings for Thursday golf are going to be through the roof across the board. And uh, and if anybody doesn't have TSM Plus yet or hasn't bothered checking it out, I know that that wave of people coming tomorrow to watch PGA Tour Live on TSM Plus because Tiger is part of the coverage. Uh, I mean, I think there's going to there's going to be more people trying to access that north of the border than ever before. That's just what Tiger does. He moves the needle. Okay, on the other side, TSN Edge Picks. We've got three wins each so far this season. Uh, we've trended in the right direction. We came very close to another victory this weekend at the WM. Who do we like in L.A.? We'll do it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, Experience Cadillac, Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. It is that time. TSN Edge, your home for all your fantasy needs in the world of sports, including the PGA Tour. And so far this year, both Bob, Adam, and myself have three victories on the leaderboard. We came close again. The last two weeks, we had uh, opportunities for picks to win both at Farmers and WM. We've kind of been in there every week. Uh, Another interesting week, the deepest field of the year. Every player who's won on the PGA Tour so far this season is in the field at the Genesis Invitational. And let's go around the horn. Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. We'll go Adam to Bob to Mark. I'll do back-to-back like the bottom of the, the ladder as we've been doing. Adam, who's your favorite this week and why? Yeah, so you guys know me. I like to, you know, go outside the box a little bit and try to maybe go a little further down, maybe predict some guys. I, I don't have anyone at 340-1 to one to win this week. Let's put it that way. But anyway, my first pick this week is someone I've been very high on throughout 2023. Hasn't quite get it, got it done in this part of the calendar, he won in the fall, and that's Tony Finau. And he's coming off a T14 last week at the WM Phoenix Open. But the biggest reason I like Finau is that he's been very consistent in terms of his putting. 15th in strokes game putting this season, 85th last year. So he's made big improvements in that category. Has also played well here before. Two second place finishes, including losing in a playoff to Max Homa a couple of years ago. So Tony Finau, my first pick. Uh, he 16 to one on FanDuel, and to your point, a horses for courses play as well here, Adam. All right, Bob, who's your favorite? Well, you knew I was going to do this. I'm going to go with Rory. (laughs) And, uh, Mm -hmm. I just picked Rory because I coming off sort of a mediocre week last week where he was putter was uh, horrendous. By the way, that's the first time in his last four starts where his putter has, uh, his putter has cost him strokes gained. He's been in the negative side of stroke gains. So I'm looking for that to rebound this week. He's, he's had sort of a pretty decent record here. He was 10th last year, missed the cut, but then he, before that he was 5-4-2020. So he's played this golf course fairly well, and you would think with his irons playing well, with his short game the way it is, if that putter warms up at all, then I think this is going to be a good week for him. And he's 9-1 to on FanDuel, the second favorite behind John Rahm at 7-1. to And uh, 
And I, I assume, Bob, because I was on Rory last week, he was my first pick at the WM. And you've got to assume his driving is going to get better. The, the opening round in Phoenix was probably the worst driving performance I've seen from Rory McIlroy in ages because I consider him the greatest overall driver of the golf ball on the planet. And he was playing with a two-way miss in the desert on Thursday. It was really hard to watch. It got progressively better as the week went on. So, you know, if he returns to his driving form here in L.A., based on what you suggested, there's no reason to believe that Rory won't have a nice bounce-back week here at the Genesis Invitational. However... He is not my first pick. Uh, my first pick this week is a, is a player that you guys have been on and I have been staying away from. And the reason I've been staying away from him is like, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere near you until you show me something. Now, Riviera is uh, built for the best iron players in the game, typically uh, year in and year out. Uh, Justin Thomas has shown me absolutely nothing until this week where he trended up the leaderboard, ended up with a great finish. He got better every day at the WM Phoenix Open, a top 10 finish for Justin Thomas. Uh, outside of Colin Morikawa, when Justin Thomas and J- when JT's on like he was last year at the PGA, I would say that Justin Thomas is in that top three, top four players when you have the conversation of best iron player in the world. I think uh, Justin Thomas is going to do quite well this week. Uh, has had some decent success there before. I think JT trending in the right direction. So if the trend continues on the upward swing, I think Justin Thomas could have a really good week at the Genesis Invitational. He's 15-1. to 1. And I'll follow it up, guys, with my second pick. And my second pick, we're just going to stick with the JT uh, fan club because Jordan Spieth. Now, Jordan Spieth finished second in strokes gained approach at the WM Phoenix Open. And he putted like he was wearing a blindfold. He putted like he was wearing a ski mask without the eye holes cut out. Like he went in to rob a bank with a sack over his head and forgot to cut himself eye holes. It was horrific. The The putter was, was just mind-bogglingly bad. His You could tell emotionally he was extremely frustrated. If he continues to hit the irons the way he hit them, his his strokes gain approach, his iron plate was absolutely exceptional. He's 29 to 1. He's been hanging around. Jordan trending in the right direction. Sooner or later, he's going to get back in the winner's circle. He's my second pick. Bob will go back to you as we head back down the ladder. Well, you know, great minds think alike, Mark. <laughs> I'm going to go with JT as my second pick. And uh, I. There's a lot of reasons, most of them what you have said. I mean, that was his first top 10 of the year, and, and I was sort of a little surprised when I saw that stat. But 67-65 on the weekend, man, he was, he was rolling it, and I think that's going to be the big key for me when I say that. He's tied. He's 159th in strokes game putting right now. Now, we know he's never been a great putter, but he doesn't have to be great with the way the rest of his game is. So I think if his putter can perform like it did on the weekend at, uh, in Phoenix – and I really like his chances here. And a note on that, Bob. Funny you bring that up because I forgot to mention that talking about JT. That was the first event this year that he had the mallet putter back in the bag for all four rounds. JT went back to an old blade-style putter for some unknown reason to start off the 2023 season. It's out of the bag. The mallet's back in. That's the mallet that he won the PGA Championship with. Uh, same style of putter. I don't know if it's exactly the same one, but it's the same style. At the very least, it's the mallet with the two fangs at the back. 
So JT back to the mallet, trending in the right direction to Bob's point. Okay, Adam, to you for your final two picks. Okay, uh, before I give my picks, I want to ask you guys a question too because something we haven't mentioned yet are the tee times. And Tiger is playing with JT and Rory. Do you think that, I mean, obviously the the crowds are, they're going to be ludicrous, put it that way. Like people are going to go nuts and follow this group. I know these guys have played together before back in 2018 at the PGA Championship. They were grouped together the first two rounds. Mark, do you think this has, do you think this will motivate Justin Thomas or Rory McIlroy both? Will this hinder them? What do you think? I don't think it hinders anybody, but I think it benefits Justin Thomas. I truly don't think it, it hurts anyone. These are the, these guys have played in front of gazillions of people together before, but considering JT's personal relationship with, with Tiger Woods, considering the conversation about Justin Thomas this year has been a lot more quiet compared to the John Roms and Rory McIlroy's of the world. And he's coming off a major year. I think this benefits JT to say, Hey, I just want to beat these guys head to head in this group. And maybe, and maybe that's where it starts, Bob, like Bob, maybe if JT just beats the guys he's playing with at the end of every day, he looks up on the leaderboard and he's in touch of this uh, lead. I think these guys love this pairing, both Rory and JT. I mean, you don't get many chances to play with a legend, and these guys obviously think of him as a legend. They're not going to be distracted by the crowd. If they weren't distracted, these two weren't distracted by anything like the final round uh, at the RBC Canadian Open last year. They're not going to be distracted by what they see this week. Yeah, fair, fair point. Okay, anyway, back to my picks. Uh, my second pick, Victor Hovland, and this might be a, a player who... You know, obviously chipping has never been his strong suit. He's improved in that category, strokes gained around the green this season. But he is a horse for a course this week at Riviera. A couple of top five finishes in his two starts here at Riv. Eighth and birdie average this season, 14th in scoring average. Victor Hovland is my second pick. You want my third pick too, Mark? Yes, we'll come back down the ladder. Give me your last pick, Adam. We'll go to you, then we'll go to Bob for his last, and then me to my last. Okay, lastly, my value play this week. This is where it all got started for him last year. Cameron Young at 31-1. to Cameron Young is my last pick. Finished tied for second last year at the Genesis, where not many people were all that familiar with Cameron Young. Since then, seven top tens worldwide, four runner-up finishes, including the Open Championship last summer. This guy is due to get something done soon. I like Cameron Young. All right, Bob, to you for your final pick. Well, I'm going to uh, continue with my theme of guys who, if their putter warms up, they will be a threat, and that is Colin Morikawa, who was the runner-up here a year ago. And uh, as we heard in that beautiful uh, interview with, uh, with, with Adam about how uh, confident he's getting, uh, listen, driving accuracy second, greens and regs sixth. So everything on the first part of his, of his game leading up to getting onto the greens is going really well. We know he's a great ball striker and, and is a guy who can hit a beautiful iron shot. So this course sets up for him very well. It's just a question of that putter. Uh, I was all over him last week for those reasons, Bob. Um, but I'm not on him this week, and it doesn't make sense because this is a Colin Morikawa golf course. I mean, all signs point to you being on Morikawa, but I've never really made a lot of sense anyway, so why start now? Because he's not my final pick. <laughs> this is more of a hunch play, Bob. At 30-1, to 1, Waiting for a guy. I kind of had him a little bit in the Justin Thomas category. Waiting for him to show me something. Waiting for him to knock some rust off. Bit of a horses for courses play because he almost won this event a couple years ago. At 30-1, to 1, a value play this week. 
Sam Burns. Sam Burns is one of the best players in the world. He can win anytime on any golf course. Uh, he showed us something on the weekend at the WM. Played very well Saturday, Sunday in Phoenix. Started to get it going again. Can he bring it to L.A. to a place he really likes? We're going to wait and see. But I'm with you guys with Morikawa, and I'm with you on Hovland. I'm just going with a hunch instead as my final pick. I came narrowly close to making Hovland or Morikawa my third pick. I'm playing the hunch with Sam Burns at 30-1. to 1. We will see if the hunch pays off. Okay, on the other side, we'll put a bow on the show. We'll take a look at a few other tours as well where they're playing this week. And call it a day here on a Wednesday edition of GTC. And don't forget, you mentioned the grouping of, of uh, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Tiger Woods. You can see them in feature group coverage this week on TSN Plus, your exclusive home to PGA Tour live coverage in Canada. So if you haven't checked out TSN Plus yet, I'd check it out right now and get yourself a full four and a half, five hours of JT, Rory, and Tiger from the Genesis. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 Fit, while the Spike More Traction System will help golfers stay locked in. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Let's take a look at where the tours are heading in the world of golf, brought to you by Bushnell Golf, bushnellgolf.com, the number one range finder in all of golf. The Champions Tour heading to Naples, Florida for the Chubb Classic, of course, on Sunday, Stephen Ames with his third career PGA Tour Champions victory. Another W for Team Canada in the world of golf. Well done, Stephen. Looking forward to seeing where this goes on the Champions Tour. Again, they're in Naples, Florida this week. The Corn Ferry Tour is off this week. Uh, PGA Tour, of course, is heading to L.A., Genesis Invitational. Strongest field of the year, top 30 in the world, every winner on the planet so far on the PGA Tour this year in the field. PGA Tour live coverage can be seen on TSN Plus starting Thursday morning. Feature group, marquee group, main feed, as well as feature hole coverage. Gents, I'll be hosting feature hole coverage as well as the main feed. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, working with Johnson Wagner as my analyst this week. I've never met Johnson Wagner before or, or worked with Johnson. So looking forward to, yeah, I know we'll have a mustache contest, him and I. He's oh. going to win right away, oh. right out of the gates. Oh. Um, we're going to have a production meeting here in St. Augustine in a couple of hours. So uh, looking forward to meeting him for the first uh, time and looking forward to really working the Genesis. Worked it last year for PGA Tour Live. I love the featured hole cover, coverage on number 10. And it's something we didn't get into today. We got only a couple of minutes left, but in recent years, a lot there's been a lot of conversation about how number ten, a Riviera Country Club, has become unfair. The lines too sharp, the angles too sharp. I still say, guys, I saw two made there last year. Not many, but I did see a two last year. You also see sevens and eights 
It doesn't have a penalty area. It doesn't have a water feature, and it really doesn't have out of, out of bounds. I say, so sad to the two tough. I say, it's brilliant. Love the hole. Maybe the best short par four in the world of golf. Bob, where are you on ten at Riviera? Hundred percent. I mean, listen, guys. It's 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 hard because it's uh, it challenges you in ways that you don't normally get challenged. Like you said, the angles are different. You have to think about whether you want to drive it or lay it up. I mean, it's. Uh, um, it's it's a thinking man's hole, which that's the rarity these days on the PGA Tour. I'm with you, Bob. It's It asks a player to play from the green out. You can't just blast away. Even if you go for it, you got to be careful of where the leave is. You can have a pitch shot of about 15, 20 yards for your second, and if you leave it in the wrong spot to the wrong hole location, it is impossible to play to the flag. And Adam, the modern-day player has a hard time conceiving the concept of I left my first shot in the wrong spot, and I just can't play to this flag, regardless of the fact that they're 40 feet away from it. And that's the brilliance of this hole. It really is. And like you guys mentioned, it's, it's a thinking person's hole, and you really have to assess how you want to play it. Is going for it the right move? Is you know hitting a five iron to try to get somewhat of a better angle in there? Because it's not obviously a long hole. It's not one like there's no water on the hole. Obviously, it's just a lot of penalizing bunkers around the green surface. I'm looking forward to seeing it later today too. I've just never been to Riviera before, so that's that's one I might go straight to the tenth hole when I get there. I would suggest to you to go there, Adam, and just watch some golf on that hole. It it is brilliant. You can sit there and you can watch it all day and be fully entertained and scratch your head at watching the best players in the world not only try to play this hole, but to Bob's point, try to figure out this hole. And I think it is a micro example and the perfect example of why Riviera is so brilliant and why you got to learn the golf course. Ten's just the, the, the most obvious example of trying to figure out to play this golf course. And thus the reason why it's our key featured hole coverage this week on TSN+. I mean, you could sit there and watch that hole all day. Very similar to how people love to watch the Island Green at 17, just play with the best players in the world's heads. This is a different version of that. Again, no water, no penalty areas. Where do I put this? When do I go for it? When do I lay it up? And when do I take my medicine? That is the biggest theme of the 10th hole at Riviera is when do I take my medicine? And the interesting thing, uh, guys, in the last couple of years, for the first time really ever in the history of the hole, players that have gone for the green, the scoring average is significantly better in the last couple of years for players that have gone for the green versus players who have laid up. And in previous years, in the early years, especially pre-2015, pre-2016, it was pretty close the number annually on where those scoring averages kind of landed at the end of four days. Since 2020, players that have gone for it have done better. And I, I think that speaks to how difficult the layup is as well as going for it. Anyway, Adam, quickly, when do you fly home? We only got about 30 seconds left. Tomorrow, uh, about, about lunchtime, Pacific time, tomorrow. Bob, what are, what's up for you the rest of the week? Just kind of hanging around, switching, doing double duty with curling, curling yeah. stuff, getting ready, going, uh, heating up. Scotty's Tournament of Hearts starts Friday on TSN. Bob, enjoy the curling. Adam, uh, safe travels home. Enjoy Riviera. Thank Both you. of you gentlemen enjoy the Genesis. It's going to be unbelievable. I'll talk to you Monday. 
Thanks for doing this as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're back with our Monday live edition, 10 to noon on Monday, and, of course, back next Wednesday as well. And don't forget, Golf Talk Canada Television. Back next week, our tailor-made product special kicking off our TV season Wednesday afternoon on TSN. We're back on TV. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course. It always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.